Hello, and welcome to Hanks Bank, the show where we chronologically review Tom Hanks's entire IMDb. I'm Jamie Loxton, and with me as always is my co-host Al Gillespie. Say hello, Al. Hello, Al. Normally we're two shouty, shouty boys, but because of our therapy a couple of weeks ago now, we're humble, we're quiet, and we enjoy a nice relaxing time on the radio. No, we're not! That's bullshit! We're just reviewing Desert Island Disc this week. How was my Kirsty Young impression? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It wasn't very Scottish. Uh, well, no, I, I would. Yeah, I wasn't. Ah, uh, you know, yeah, it's okay. Don't worry. My Scottish impression only works well drunk, and everyone else is drunk. And I was, I was going for mo- more for tone uh, you know, and soothingness. I, I think you have a voice for radio. Sorry, do you want me to go? Hello and welcome to Hank's Bank. <laughs> See, that would have been much worse, wouldn't that, it? That would be good. See, hey, See? hey, hey you regretted we'll that immediately. Our, our Scottish listeners, please write into Friends Thoughts and uh, tell us a little bit. About what you think of Jamie's accent. <laughs> Don't tell me what you think of my accent. Shut up. I know what I think of my accent. Uh, so, yes, of course, uh, I open the show by saying we are the show that chronologically reviewed Tom Hanks' entire MDB. But if you've been listening to our last few weeks, uh, we're doing a little bit of a break from that. We're breaking away from what you're reviewing this entire MDB. And we're just reviewing whatever the fuck we want to do with Tom Hanks while you are travelling Canada. It's like uh, we're in an anime and we've just had the end of a big arc and we're about to start a new arc, but in between the two, where the manga stopped off we need to, I don't know fill some airtime, and so they have you know this kind of filler arcs where it's just stuff they invent on the fly and it's kind of wacky and oddball and you know some people love it and some people hate it but you know what I always love these episodes more than anything else that's right the normal stuff that's crap this is the true gold Jamie it really disappoints me yeah that that is such a niche nerdy reference oh, yeah. that is so good. It is pretty good. It's such a good analogy. <laughs> and like three people are going to get it. Yeah. It's really upsetting. Um, so, of course, as we're doing in every one of these minisodes, mm-hmm. we have a little check-in of where you think you are right uh-huh. now, Al. Uh-huh. Uh, this episode is releasing on the 14th of January. Then where do you reckon you'll be? So I have recently, in real time, whatever today is, uh, a couple last week I booked my trains. So I'm taking trains across Canada. Yeah. So I can tell you where precisely I'll be. That's February. Um because up until now, all of our episodes uh, will have released yes. before you've actually travelled to Canada. Uh, so this will be our first episode uh, of that yes. we'll be releasing while you are actually on in the, Canada. The 15th or 14th? 14th. 14th, I will be in Halifax. I will be preparing for ooh, what is a, uh, oh, a nearly 24-hour train Jesus uh, from Christ. Halifax to Montreal. It, uh, I get on it at 3.45 and I get off it at 10.45 the next day. Jesus um, fucking Christ. I mean, I'm, so are you flying into Halifax? No, so I'm flying into Toronto for a very brief layover, so less than 24 hours and then flying to Halifax. Yes, I've also flown to Halifax. My uh, my aunt uh, is from very near Halifax, so yes. I uh, weirdly know that airport well. You'll be having a lovely time there, I can predict. Is that where you did the history? reenactment <laughs> it's near there yes okay cool it's near there uh, long fans of the show will know that one time I uh, went to a camp in Canada yeah. uh, where I pretended to live in pilgrim times for about two weeks um, I was in a documentary which I will find one yeah, day. I was not in a documentary oh, I did appear on the front page of oh, a ca- local Canadian magazine sure uh, if I'll anyone wants to uh, write in to us and uh, get a copy of that uh, feel free I'll, I'll send you that screenshot it's very fucking funny I'll share it whenever the hell I want um so yeah, that's what you've been doing, preparing for yeah. a very shit time. But you know what you'll it's have time. Really cool. You know what you'll have time to do over over those twenty four hours. Yeah, 
probably listen, listen to the oh, entirety of our ha- yeah half half the oh, episodes half, of Hags yeah. Bank. That's true. Uh, so that'll be fun for you. It is depressing to think that to listen to all our episodes, you now need to spend more more than, than a day. day. Yeah, way more than a day. This is now uh, something like our forty sixth episode, maybe forty fifth episode. Yeah. Um, if and wrong, please uh, write into friends' thoughts and we'll yes, please write into friends' thoughts and, couple and tell me I'm wrong. Whatever you can see what it says on your fucking phone. Either way, I mean. Let's say the average length of a show is probably over an hour. I remember the time, dear listeners. Uh, Not that this is half an hour time thing, but um, when uh, back when the show started, Jamie was very eager to keep the time under one hour. Yeah, and if it would get to one one hour, two minutes, Jamie ended the show going like. Yeah, it should have been under Bit a... Bit of a long one. Yeah, and I was like, Jamie, we talked for half an hour on the historical yes, whereas show now we've, uh, we're, now we've reviewed one. Toy Story 1 and Toy Story 2 with episodes longer than Toy Story 1 and Toy Story oh, 2. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's the inevitable uh, life of every single podcast. But this is not the life of this podcast. We have a timer up on the uh, screen where we exactly. try to fit this entire episode into half an hour. I think we might actually struggle with that with this one because oh, there's probably oh, a decent amount to talk about. It's so. true. So, like Naruto falling in love with a tree, uh, let's get into this episode. Yes. So, we so, are talking um, about... We are talking about uh, Tom Hanks' episode of uh, Desert Island Disc, which comes out, I believe, in uh, 2016. I think it's 20... Oh, yes. I think it's, it's 20, just before it, Trump. I believe it... Yes, it's just before Trump gets elected because they're in the mid... They discuss it in the show. They are uh, in the middle of... Um, uh, they're 8th in the middle of May 2016. 8th so, of May 2016. Yes. Uh, uh, he was uh, promoting some fucking hologram film. for the king is yes. referenced in the show because, yes. and I think I imagine a PR person was like, "You need to mention this Talking Heads track because it's in the trailer." Is it? <laughs> um, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, so, anyone who doesn't know Desert Island Disc, well, firstly, uh, I think for any Tom Hanks fans, uh, just give a listen to this. Oh, this is great! Uh, it's, 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 it's a really nice interview with Tom Hanks. We're we're more go- we're going to discuss some other things. Sure, uh, we're going to touch, of course, talk about the songs he chooses. That's most of what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, we'll touch on a summer, but it's a really nice interview with Tom Hanks and gives a lot of interesting detail about mm-hmm. his life, which we might touch on a little bit of. But we'd re- I'd recommend anyone listen to this. It's yeah. a good fun uh, show. But uh, for anyone who uh, doesn't know Desert Island Disc, you are given a choice of uh, your. S- you're marooned on a desert island and you're allowed... Wait uh, a second. Tom Hanks marooned on a desert island? I know. It's almost like this show was designed for him to be on it. It's surprising how long it took him to get on it. Yeah. Uh, he does she, mention the word castaway ten times yes, in the first yeah, she, seconds. Yeah, she does not uh, get away, let you uh, forget the fact that he was in a film that's uh, basically the exact same concept to sure. uh, this show. Uh, you get uh, seven songs, you get uh, one book, and you get one luxury item. You also get the Bible. You also get the Bible. Uh, you, get, you get the Bible features. and the... Uh, or any religious text of your choice and the full works of Shakespeare yes. those come automatically uh, and then you get one book and one luxury item uh, as well as seven songs hence why it's called Desert Island Discs mm-hmm. uh, so it opens her with a little intro from uh, her and the first song by uh, that Tom Hanks mentions and I'll be uh, layering these in throughout the show so you can uh, have a little refresher or if you don't mm-hmm. know the song you can mm-hmm. have a little listen to the idea of uh, uh, what the song is. So the first song he mentions is Dean Martin's Relaxez-Vous. When you're too tense, it's common sense to relaxez-vous. The more you earn, the less you learn to relaxez-vous. That's I, I, I mean, I've never heard it before, but um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a nice, fun little song. Jamie, you speak French. Uh, relaxez-vous, is that a, a, an actual term used by French people? Well, it, so um, the... Actual spelling of the uh, title is yes. relax dash a y dash v u v o o. 
which is a, a, a yes, is it's a, so the, how it would be spelled in uh, French would be relax e z uh, space v o u s v u okay. meaning you and relaxe meaning <clears throat> relax. So it does mean please relax. Um, Mm. Please, can you relax? Whatever. Sure. Uh, but he has spelled it incorrectly. So, judging uh, Tom Hanks as we are, instinctively off the bat, he's insulted the country of France. Yes, yeah, very, very Once racist. Once again, um, cancelled. I don't know what to say about this song. I've never fucking heard it before. But I do have uh, a thing. I would like to uh, criticise Kirsty Young for sure. her research skills. Uh, because she says two things in this uh, section, uh, both of which are incorrect. Uh, she first says that she did. She scoured the internet. She yeah. scoured all the resources she could find. And she could not find a single person to ever say anything wrong about or anything bad about Tom Hanks or having worked with him. Oh. Now, us, Alexander, as true Tom Hanks experts, know this is incorrect. We've said bad things about Tom We've Hanks. We've said bad things about Tom Hanks. Can you remember what I'm specifically referencing? We have brought it up in a previous this, episode. This is the uh, child actor who originally plays Tom Hanks' son in uh, Sleeps in Seattle, who got fired because he was mouthing the lines off and Tom Hanks hated him, I believe. Uh, not what I was going to reference. So there's actually two... Fi- I knew there was another one. The sure. one I was thinking of uh, is that uh, Henry Winkler was originally due to uh, direct Turner and Hooch, and he is quoted as saying, let's just say I got on with Hooch more than I got on with Turner. Uh, Henry and Lincoln, I'm not sure I'm a big fan of Henry Winkler. To be, no, yeah, no, I, I don't care, right, but, right. but we, as experts on Tom Hanks, have found two examples of people sure. disliking like, to uh, Tom To be fair, Hanks. yeah, to be very specifically like, <laughs> except that one kid you pissed off in the funds, uh, everyone likes you. There's a recent article from the New York Times which talks about Tom Hanks in the context of his uh, upcoming film. Uh, by the time you listen to this, a uh, uh, film which was in cinemas, uh, Wonderful Day. At the I don't think it's come out in uh, the UK yet by this point. I think it doesn't come out until January or February oh, in the UK. Cool. In which case, you can watch it in the UK. Do you yes, watch that? A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood uh, representing um, uh, Mr. Rogers. Yes, and the uh, New York Times article, which I referenced actually a very long time ago, and friend Becca uh, sent it to us after I, oh, in the recording, mentioned it on the show, but before she would have heard about it. Um, that also is the same premise of everyone really likes Tom Hanks. He's a really nice guy. Uh, I think that's fair. I I imagine he feels like he's less of a nice guy. Like I think, yes, I think I, he's probably been I, grumpy at some times. Yes, I also feel like um, if we're doing actual analysis of Tom Hanks' career, oh my god, uh, I think we sort of got the impression as we were going through. Yeah. Around about the time of Bonfire of the Vanities, when yeah. he started to take himself a little bit more seriously, he seemed like a bit of a dick. He seemed yeah, to start to get a little, yeah, a that. little bit big for himself. Uh, start to like make demands. Start to like get people pushed off of projects and yeah, things. Like that one kid, uh, like the kid, like um, multiple uh, examples of him like yeah. making demands about what female sure. casts uh, members he would have alongside him. I I fully think that Tom Hanks is a lovely, lovely person, and sure. to this and now is an extremely wholesome I, human being. I don't think he's a bad guy, but, but I think it, there has been times where he's yeah. been difficult to work with. But at the same time, like. I, I think that's working in a professional environment. Like, I hey, I've worked Those in a business happen. for two years. Like, there are times when you do something and you're like, nah, looking back, I shouldn't have done that. And, yeah. like, it's not... The important thing is, like, it, it's not a big deal. Like, it's, a, a, you know, it's a business decision. And it, while he might look back and think... And to be fair, we don't actually know the context of the decisions were made. No. Most of the stuff was at the, the casting stage in that case. Yeah, like, yeah Fair absolutely. enough if someone's, you know, not pushed aside, but, like, chosen over for someone else. But... Uh, yeah, so th- that comes up. Uh, the other thing was... The other thing, uh, when they are discussing um, uh, Forrest Gump, uh, mm. he they have a little chat about Forrest Gump and uh, working with Robert Zemeckis, mm. uh, and she references that he wins his uh, second Oscar back-to-back. And she says the sentence, Only one other person has ever done that in movie history. That's Spencer Tracy. Now, I want to be clear. She says, you won your second Oscar back-to-back, 
Only one other person has done that in movie history. That's Spencer Tracy. That is incorrect, dear... Oh, I've forgotten her name, so I mean now. Kirsty. And that is incorrect, dear Kirsty. as we know when we discussed it. Um, one other actor has won Best Actor back-to-back. Mm. However, yeah, yeah. two women have done it, and another man has done it with Supporting Actor. Uh, the women were Catherine Hepburn and Louise Rayner, and act- Jason Robards oh. was the other actor who won it in, for Supporting Actor back-to-back. Yeah. Now, if she had said... That he was the only uh, the only, only one other actor, one best actor back to back. I'd completely accept sure, that she'd stayed, but she did not. I mean, and I am I am disappointed in the BBC you know Research Hon- team. Honestly, D- disastrous. I'm so much better uh, than Kirsty Young. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you take uh, a prominent woman's role instead? Of yes, absolutely. Yes. That, that is what um, I'm saying. I deserve. Yeah. Uh, why it's will also, they not give and it to again, me? why I think it's worth listening to this. You do get a really good context about Tom Hanks's upbringing. He talks about his parents' divorce. Yes, so with something we've not really talked about. Like, yeah, he. He, uh, his parents divorced when yeah. he was like five. Uh, he, his dad was a chef. Uh, chef, so he moved around a lot. Mm. Uh, and he discusses a little bit about like why he, that's why he's quite a personable person mm. because he had to make friends quite quickly, he had to get to yeah. know people quite quickly. And he also touches on, uh, and this is probably slightly later in the episode, but whatever, um, something that I think is really interesting, uh, that he had this thing in him that he now recognises was loneliness. Yeah. And that's what he can tap into and and I think it's very interesting that uh, to to again we are a Tom Hanks podcast. Um, a lot, a lot, a lot of yeah. his main roles that he's played sort of really circle around this theme of loneliness. Mm-hmm. No matter who he's playing, I mean, whether it's uh, in his rom coms, obviously yeah. rom coms almost always deal with loneliness because it's inherently yeah. you are someone who is not with someone else and you have to be with someone else. But then Castaway, yeah. Forrest Gump is often found himself alone in situations. He's, he's yeah. without Jenny. He's without his mum. Um, Kirsty even... describes him as playing characters, I, I believe, who are constantly on in the dark, like in the dark emotional, uh, dark emotional space before new emotional horizons, or something. Dark space before emotional new horizons. That's the kind of the the characters he plays. And actually, as a summing up of Tom Hanks' characters, that's pretty spot good. On, right? Pretty like, good. Although we've uh, praised him for in the '90s playing lots of different characters. Yeah. There's, you a, get, there's, yeah, a, there, there's, there's a, a definitely a theme in at least the characters he's choosing to play and the stories he's wanting yeah, to tell, uh, which is interesting. Um, this is also the point in which uh, Tom Hanks cries and like yes, yeah, yeah. Um, he seems to be caught off guard by the interview. He's th- he's thought really hard about the music. Which if you listen to Desert Island Discs, I would just listen to the Bill Gates one, wherein it feels like someone give they gave Bill Gates a list of uh, songs to seem uh, personable, uh, including a song from Halton. Uh, and I'm like, oh, Bill Gates. Oh, yeah. oh you, the interview very interesting. The song choice, I don't think Bill Gates yeah, is whereas, to uh, well, whereas, Tom Hanks, he seems to be really personal songs. Too. Yes, uh, he, he says at the very beginning of the episode, like he chooses songs that very much take him back to a specific yeah. time and, and remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it, he, he, he has, a, when, when I think the question he's asked is, what, it, what was that feeling inside you uh, as, as a child that you... Yeah. Uh, you could feel and, and that's when he talks about loneliness and um, yeah it's, it's yeah, a really interesting and definitely. really uh, sort of uh, deep insight into, yeah. into song Hanks. number like, two so, Tom, song number two is There's a Place by the Beatles mm-hmm. oh this is this is playing oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry one second sons Now there, there, we're back. We're back from we're it back. being played. Um, Al, Al is struggling with the idea of editing here. Yes. Um, it, we are not hearing the songs yes. in real time. Um, um, it's it's a, a nice Beatles yeah. song. It's obviously not 
people I think people like to put Beatles songs on this sort of thing and they oh. also don't want to put obvious Beatles songs. Yes. But actually he, he does bring this back into his childhood where he talks about how the fact that like I think he, his dad and like a, a brother all shared the same room. Yeah. And the idea for him as a kid when listening is that like then there might be some place he could have all to himself. Yeah. Was um, really touching. And actually, this, uh, he doesn't talk about it here. It, I find it really interesting in the context of some people uh, of a uh, later film of his, Saving Mr. Banks, yes. which he also talks about similar things in this in which like he empathised with Walt Disney, but Walt Disney had a tough childhood. It's not necessarily that I think he resented his childhood, at any chance of the imagination, Tom Hanks, but that... There's an element of it which isn't... He wasn't someone born to immense privilege. He, he was, no, not at all. Um, and and it's sort of in that discussion of, lo- of loneliness, he sort of says it in the context of, like, while he got on fine yeah. and he very much, uh, like, enjoyed his childhood, it wasn't until later... And he didn't have the vocabulary yeah. to explain yeah. the the struggles that he was going through and so he kind of just masked them and, and, yeah. and became the personal man uh, he is. Yeah. Um, but as an adult looking back on it, he can recognise that he was experiencing yeah. extreme amounts of loneliness. So, his third song... Third song is uh, Dusty Springfield Doodling. Using the phone booth Making a few calls Doodling weird things Using the booth walls Yeah Which is, uh, he discusses as, um, he discusses this song as a really nice just a really nice song, like mm-hmm. in in terms of pure singing performance, yeah. he just really really likes. Um, the next one he describes as the big Magilla. He says, "Oh, this one, this one's the big Magilla," uh, and it is uh, the theme from two thousand and one, A Space Odyssey. Obviously, blah, blah. <laughs> obviously, a hugely iconic yeah. uh, song that has been uh, almost parodied and. Um, but, but, but Jamie, famously, you hate two thousand and one in Space Odyssey. Yes, no, I don't like that film. Yeah, well, I don't know why you said famously. Have I said that on this podcast before? Well, just as a person, one of the things I associate with you is hating two thousand and one in Space Odyssey. Yeah, no, dumb. no, yeah, no. I think it's real dumb. <laughs> I don't like the, I, I, the song. Great. Yeah. Um, I, I recognize that it's a cruel, epic song. Movie fucking sucks. Boring as shit. There is a Whatever. But he talks about sure. his like real excitement yeah. and this sort of inspired his love of films. Yeah. There's a part here where he sort of talks about the art of filmmaking and which I really like the way he describes himself as a... He kind of says, I don't know if I call myself an artist, a collaborative craftsman. Yes. And I think that is probably the best description of Tom Hanks as an actor. Yes. Is he feels like... like There are actors who 100% go into characters and it's, they're very method, all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like... In process, sure, you could probably call them an artist. Whereas I say some actors, like even like Robert De Niro, right? I think this is generational actors coming around the same part of time where they were the fact that they are still working to this day and the sheer proli- like proliferation of their content. They make so much content that it is it's a craft, right? They, yeah. Whether or not they hit each time, they are quality people making quality content. And I, I found that a really interesting way of he kind of viewed himself. I'm not sure if that's something he's thought of. I'm sure he's thought of it, but um, I'd be interested to see more. Well, I think, I think uh, that idea of him being a collaborative craftsman, he uh, unwittingly really exhibits when he discusses his work with uh, Steven Spielberg. Yes. So uh, they talk about how they knew each other before they were friends. And then when they worked together on Saving Private Ryan, they had to have a conversation. They had to be like, uh, oh, Steven Spielberg was one that brought it up. They had to sit him down and be like, look, I'm your friend, but 
as a director, I'm I'm going to have to maybe sometimes tell you things and like tell you what I want from you, and I don't want you to get upset yeah. as my friend. And Tom Hanks just goes, "Dude, no!" Yeah, yeah. Like, I and and it was his specific phrasing. Yeah. And I'm not going to get it exactly right, but he said something along the lines of, "No, sometimes you're just going to have to tell me that I'm going to have to express these uh, emotions in order to yeah. get what you want from the scene." And that was really interesting to me. Like, that's yeah. that idea of collaboration. It's like he he doesn't necessarily or while he puts a lot of research into his roles yeah. he doesn't necessarily He's to not, me strike me as someone who like really as you say gets deep into, into the, the yeah. guy, buys into the method gets deep into a character he's like no I'm making a film yeah. and I've got a I've got to make yeah. I've got to make concessions to make what needs to be shown on screen and I'm yeah, making it, things to be portrayed on screen it's very interesting uh, we um, uh, a few weeks ago reviewed uh, Band of Brothers yes uh, and I didn't mention it in that episode, but uh, he uh, has an interview where he says he was talking uh, to uh, one of the main veterans uh, who said he was actually a little bit disappointed by what came out uh, mm. of it. Um, he was hoping for maybe sort of an 80% accurate uh, representation. And Tom Hanks laughed and said, look, we're in Hollywood. If we make a 12% accurate thing, we're going to be praised as gods and we're going to aim for 17%. Yeah. So it, it's really interesting. He, he seems to have a very practical view yeah. of the art of filmmaking, which, which is very interesting yeah. for a man that comes on the acting side of things where you think maybe there's going to be slightly less... Like directors, cinematographers, all those sort yeah. of people, they absolutely do have to involve themselves in the practical yes. uh, world of filmmaking. Actors sure. don't necessarily have to do that. Right. So it's interesting but, but, that he but does. But even then, right? Like, I... Uh, we're kind of uh, fast running time, so after this, I mean, we'll, after this we'll move on. I think we have to accept that we're going to be maybe a little bit longer than sure. 30 minutes on this. We have nine minutes left, yeah. and we're not going to sure. get through this in um, nine minutes. Very sorry to dear listeners. But, uh, oh no, they're getting more content. Uh, oh, like send us a it, fucking complaint letter, you do. bitches. Oi, write Jamie a friend's thoughts about how angry you are. He made me do this. Um, he talks... Uh, I, I, I find it interesting, because the idea of where does the art come in? Because... In all sense of the imagination, I do think I do think movies, although they are an art form, the act of making them is a craft. Yeah, and I think that's true for most collaborative things, right? Like, and especially movies where there are so many technical skills that are required in making this movie. You got an editor, you have the people set the stage, you have the art designers, all this kind of stuff. That I think amongst that, the art may be the final film, but the act of making it is so removed from one person. It's you know, A movie is never made by one individual, right? It's made by a whole host yeah. of people. That everyone's role in that, in creating that art is a craft. Um, and it, it's something which is sold, right? Like, someone who makes a table can make the world's best table. But it's a, it's a, it's a practical, it is a thing which is to be bought and sold. Yeah. And a movie, likewise, as much as we think of it as art, is something to be bought and sold. It is something to make people invest a load of money into them because they want to make even more money back. Not isn't always, capital- not always. Isn't capitalism great? Yeah. Uh, however, I do want to say, um, I mean, both of us have had that experience of working with friends yeah. in in, uh, in working at university. Obviously, uh, university theatre, you're going to end up working uh, with friends. Sure. I've been directed by you. I've worked with you as a director Just, where yeah. we were directing uh, friends of ours. Yeah. And I think that really does, does ring true of that yeah. idea of like, obviously there are some, I've, I've had situations where like someone has clearly abused the friendship side of yeah. things with me working as a director and that's it like it's really nice to work and you can yeah, very yeah. much separate that friendship and, and you also kind of do make concessions as well yeah, um, yeah. when when I work with you as an actor um, 
I feel obviously there were many times where you just kind of had I'm, I'm, I'm a shitty actor to work with or at least I definitely was at university uh, and there were definitely times where you had to just kind of tell me what to do but I feel like there were times where you threw me a bone for yeah. example you let me do a West Country accent for one of oh, the characters which was very much just letting me have a little bit of fun I love doing yeah. my West Country accent no, I, it's not very the, good the toughest time I was, when, I, when I was directing the toughest time I've had an actor was actually in the first play at the university where the actress was like it was in a scene where halfway through they kind of swapped characters and the pattern now between two actresses changed. So I said, cool. So just to make this like visually clear, we're going to swap. You're going to, you're going to sit down and she's going to stand up or whatever. You know, right. She'll be physically higher up and you'll be sitting down on the floor. Oh, and the person, university theater yeah, playing with levels. Uh, of course. And <laughs> she was like, but why am I doing that? And I'm like, well, because of the blocking. And she's like, but why in character am I doing that? Well, I'm like, well, it's not a character thing. You're swapping characters and therefore to represent that we are swapping the blocking. And we just had this really big argument. And I'm like, this, this is not an argument. I just need you to move. This is, this is just move. It's just a visual metaphor. Please do it. And like, I think likewise, as a director, you need to not be precious in terms of, you should, you should be able to push people and you should be able to try and get that thing which you think it needs the most. But you need to recognize that the person acting is trying to is trying to get that and to respect their craft and their their method of getting it too. You don't want to push on so hard uh, that when they're wearing fishnets, they just get really pissed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you made me wear fishnet stockings in a play. I forgot yeah. about that. Fuck you. <laughs> Actually, not fuck you. I look great in yeah, them. You do. Um, yeah, also, fuck that actor. Fucking actors who think you need not motivation ever. to fucking stand up on the worst even, people in the even world. Like most, if it's like a really naturalistic play, sure. Yeah, you need most. You're hundred percent. You want to go pick up that drink? You know, you move over there. Move over there to pick up a drink and drink a drink. Sure, no problem. If it's not a naturalistic piece of theatre, and I am for a specific visual reason want you to move, just just move, just move, just move. Whoa, why do I have to stand in the light? Because that's so people can fucking see you, you idiot. So the next song, uh, we're only on song fucking five. Uh, no, we're on song. Yeah, that's six. Because uh, we did five. Five. Was- this is song. Uh, this is song five. Um, that was I got it incorrect. He actually gets eight. You'll get eight songs, not seven oh, songs. Wait, wait. So we're on song five. We're, we're halfway. Oh, yeah. We're, we're halfway through. Time. We've got four minutes and 57 yeah, no, seconds left. Um, it's going to be longer than 30 minute yeah. episodes. Enjoy. Um, I'll, I'll the, the, the only this. reason we do these 30 minute episodes is uh, to make, for, it, to make it easier for us, to be honest. And I'm enjoying this. Yeah, these are fun things to talk about. Yeah. So uh, the next thing is uh, the theme from the film uh, How the West Was Won. Uh, now, I personally had not heard this song, but yeah. when you hear it, you feel like you've heard it. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, he describes it as America. Yeah. He says he was once on a road trip uh, and someone put this song in. And, like, it's a real nice story because Tom Hanks is telling it, but the guy who he's describing sounds like the biggest fucking wanker <laughs> in the world. And he says his friend Bobby or whatever put in a tape as they're driving across the Midwest and says, Let's listen to America. <laughs> you dude that's like me saying uh, let's listen to Britain and I put on a tape and on the tape is just Jamie reading the same Christmas Day speech uh, <laughs> oh no I thought you were going to say our house in, in the, the middle, middle of our street, street Britain yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah he, he describes how uh, this is again one of his options of like it's bring, bring uh, evokes a feeling yeah. uh, for him um uh the, uh, at this point, uh, he also tells a very fun story about Nora Ephron uh, and Sleepless in Seattle. Yes. I think he comes off a bit dickish. No, he does, he does. But I, um, think, so I think that's also, again, part of the, like, it's a, 
the, the craft thing. Yeah, so, so he, he, he says that uh, Sims in Seattle was written by uh, Nora and, and her sister. And they, there were multiple points in this film where he was like, you guys are women. You don't know how men would act. You don't, that's not how men would act. Uh, and then, it, then she's like, oh, sure. can you think of any um, specific examples? And I love the specific example he gives. Um, uh, for anyone who hasn't listened to uh, the Seattle in Seattle episode, A, listen to it. It's a fun episode. It is good. Uh, but B, um, uh, there's a point in the film where uh, he's having a sort of semi-love affair over the phone with uh, someone uh, mm. across the country. Uh, that his son very much wants him to meet, but he's also seeing a woman locally. And that woman wants him to go on holiday. His kid does not want him to go on holiday. He wants him to meet up with uh, the kid, the woman across uh, the, the world. And apparently in the original script, uh, he describes that uh, his character was, was b- completely confuddled by this. Uh, and Tom Hanks says that, no, he wouldn't be like that. What he'd say to his son is... I want to go fuck. I'm going to fuck. I'm going to go me. fuck. I, that's what I want to do. Now, of course, I've not had a kid. He has. He's had a son. So I can't speak to his experience. I don't think many parent dads would say that to their but son. Well, I, what I find interesting is, so he kind of talks about this. Uh, later on, he talks more about his relationship with Rita Wilson. Yes. Uh, one thing I, I don't think we've mentioned on this show, nor did I actually think I fully appreciated. He, uh, he's two, he had, had Colin Hanks at 21 and was from a previous marriage. Yeah. So he had had both of his kids yeah. uh, got divorced and then married Rita Wilson sure, I, I, who of course was, he met yeah, um, and I believe there was time in between the two yes. uh, who he met uh, initially in Bosom Buddies she's in Bosom Buddies yes but obviously I think much later I think they re-met again later yes. on in the filming of something goodness gracious I've forgotten she in uh, is it is it no it's not no, Joe it, whatever sure. well, sorry we, we don't yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we may be uh, Tom Hanks's foremost fans uh, but we don't have encyclopedic yeah. knowledge off the top of our head but um, he, uh, from that the idea, he kind of he talks about when dating Rachel Wilson he sort of seemingly had to go to therapy to kind of process the idea that like his dad he was a divorced man. Like I don't think divorced he man with kids. With kids, and I don't think he'd really processed that. Yeah. So he says the the initial before. dating with uh, Rita was like it was difficult. Yeah. He, yeah. he wasn't quite. Uh, he was struggling. Yeah. To process this, and this actually comes up uh, to do with the next song, sure. uh, which is uh, Talking Heads Once in a Lifetime. And you may find yourself living in a shotgun shack, and you may find yourself in another part of the world, and you may find yourself behind the wheel. And they have a little bit of banter about um, uh, about the, the music video. That's why he sure. likes it. He's in this big old suit and he's like, oh, this is like really cool art. Yeah. But he also says uh, that his first actual date with Rita Wilson after this uh, sort of little bit of difficult period uh, was a Talking Heads concert yeah. film. Uh, and so that's... Directed by, uh, I think we mentioned this, uh, the director of uh, Philadelphia. Yes, um, and the producer, I believe, became his co-producer at Playtone, yes. uh, his production company. And he was like, it's kind of weird how that works out. Yeah, all, um, the, all these uh, little quinky dinks of yeah. Hollywood. There are only seven people in but, Hollywood. It's bullshit. But in context of the the Seepers in Seattle thing, I feel that divorced aspect does play in... Which, what I find is quite interesting, because Seepers in Seattle does feel very not effing if you've seen yes. the other ones. But the dynamic between the dad and the kid, I feel, does feel quite... Real? Yes. Dem- oh, ah! so that's our 30 minute timer up. We're definitely going long this episode. One sec. Stop. Oh, oh ah! no. Ah, Alexander, fix this. Why is this what I'm Fix this. 
Oh, there we go. <laughs> right, gonna be one that likes the beginning. We... I mean, we're not doing another fucking hour. We're not doing another 30 minutes. No, I know, but we'll just know very specifically. We'll just know very specifically how long we've been going for. Yeah. Good. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's something um, that our, our, I think we should both hold yeah. our, our hands up. We didn't quite appreciate about his performance in Sleepy Since Seattle. Yeah. There's probably a lot about his actual life that informs that performance sure. and informs that relationship yeah. with uh, the kid, which, as you say, does yeah. feel very, very natural. And I think, we, I mean, well, we, we both appreciate yeah, that yeah. that was a fantastic no, performance. Oh, definitely. And I, I think I get that really high rating. I would say, um, I think that's... So you know how we in, we kind of mentioned that the the story with uh, him talking to uh, the Efrons, uh, Nora Efron yes. and, and her sister, uh, seemed quite dickish. I, I again, this brings me back to the dick theory. I think that's just part of his charm. I think <laughs> part of his charm is the way he tells these stories. He's kind of a dick in his stories, yes. and yet you kind of go, well, that's you laugh at it because it's it's a funny story. Yes, it is a funny story. Um, you know, hopefully. I, I, again, he worked with Nora Ephron twice. I think she likes him. I think yes, he likes absolutely. Her. No, no. Um, I, I, I don't think I don't think there only was any bad blood there. It's just no. it's funny how it does come I, across as a bit I, of a dickish. I wonder if for British people, uh, that's just Americans. Yes, I, I, and that might be it. The dick meter might be based solely upon are you British watching Tom Hanks stuff, and if so, you might find him more of a dick because he tortures people. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so the next song. My absolute favorite entry on the list. Completely out of left field. Loved it. LL Cool J, Mama Said Knock You Out. Don't call it a comeback. Fucking great song. Fucking love that. He's met LL Cool J. Yeah, he's met LL Cool J and he just says, oh, he loved like the passion and then whatever in in the lyrics. It's fucking great. I loved, I loved this completely (laughs) left field choice from him. Uh, Really, really made me happy. Um, He also mentions at this point that he has type 2 diabetes, which I did not know. And uh, I could not find, he mentions that uh, he has time to about diabetes, but his doctor said that if he loses enough weight, uh, he will no longer have diabetes. I couldn't find anywhere. This is obviously back in 2016. I couldn't find anywhere where he's mentioned whether he still has it, whether he was successful sure. in that journey. Uh, but that was a really interesting uh, yeah. thing to learn uh, about him. And that's, that was sort of like a big thing. He said he'd done, this was at a time in his career where he had four films come out. And so he was taking a little bit of a break. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, we then move on to his final song, uh, again, another fantastic choice. Uh, Layla by Derek and the Dominoes. I know it's by Eric Clapton. Yeah, so uh, Eric Clapton has a very uh, famous cover of it, yeah. uh, but uh, the original is by... Um, uh, yeah, j- just an incredible song. Uh, yeah. Anyone who... Uh, not that I am one of these people, but it's very much a song held up by uh, guitarists yeah. uh, because there's just incredible uh, guitar lick in it. Just, uh, yeah, a song that anyone can hear and just immediately yeah. gets them hyped. It's a great, great fucking song. And that was his thing about it. Like, it, There was nothing more than it was just like, fucking, oh, yeah. how powerful is that song? You look, uh, no, you're just yawning, no, 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 Alexander. I'm clearly boring you. No, 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 you're not boring me at all. Yeah, I, I thought, thought you were about I was, to say I was, something. I keep my mouth open because I was like, and next, and I'm just trying to remember, they don't really talk any more about his, other than he's nice and they can like him. No, no, yeah, there's not much more of a, a delve into uh, his, yeah. uh, his life. They're sort of wrapping it up. So uh, he gets his book, 
which is a world lit only by fire by William Manchester. Sure. Haven't read it. No. Cool. Whatever this is it is. a book podcast. No, ah. I can't read. <laughs> exactly. Um, I uh, read English. And his luxury place. item. Uh, I feel like we could. We've all met. Oh, we've mentioned yeah. this a few times before. And we all could have predicted what it's going to be. Uh, it's a typewriter. Uh, he has asked specifically which one. Uh, it is a Hermes three thousand typewriter, as he thinks it's uh, can can be, yeah, it's completely was, indestructible. Well, the mechanical typewriter was apparently the apex. Can never be broken. Yes. Um, he. I mean, it's a, it's a very well-known uh, yeah. little fact about uh, Tom Hanks. He collects typewriters. He absolutely loves them. Yeah. Uh, it's his choice because he says you can never get bored uh, with a typewriter. Um, Let's, he, he then picks one song to be like the one song he saves. I actually, I didn't note down which one it was. Jamie, I'm going to be honest here. Had this been podcast been left up to me, I would have uh, rambled through, through a few of Tom Hanks' anecdotes and that would have been the end of the episode. So thank you very, very much for having written these down. You've yes, saved this many uh, But no, he, he mentions one, it's a thing they do, mentions one that you're going to save. Yes. Uh, I cannot remember what it is, unfortunately. I do apologise yeah. to our dear listeners. Oh, please write um, your friend's thoughts to send abuse to the person who yes. did the effort. Please, um, please do. <laughs> now, um... Obviously, with these minisodes, we yes. are still ranking, uh, we're, but we're making criteria, up th- yeah. we're making up three new criteria. Sure, we obviously we can't sure, do Tom Hanks' performance sure. and we can't do the Dick Meter, so we're making up three criteria. Before we do get into that, yeah. uh, I'll give you a little bit of time to think about what you want. To, I, obviously, I think the first thing we're going to do is just rate his choice of songs yeah. um, uh, out of five. But before we do that, just for a little bit of fun for sure. us, uh, I would like you to pick one of his songs yeah. to yeet the fuck out um, of his desert island. Uh, this fuck that song and replace with your own. Uh, Dusty Springfield. Uh, Dusty Springfield doodling. Yeah. Okay. Um, what are you going to replace that with? Oh. Um, uh, you know what I'm going to replace it with? The Avengers theme tune. Mainly because I think Tom Hanks should play the Iron Man. You know? <laughs> oh, so you are replacing this with something you you think I for think, Tom Hanks? Yeah, 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 mine's not that. At I, all. I think I think just as uh, Robert Downey, just as he made like fifty million from uh, from Forrest Gump, and uh, Robert Downey Jr. made fifty million from the Avengers, I so too I think that uh, uh, he should have just made another like hundred million from uh, being Iron Man. That'd be great. Fair enough. Uh, I'm gonna replace uh, Dean Martin Relaxe Vu for the just yeah. fucking annoying misspelling Relaxe Vu. Oh, you think you're being cute there Dean Martin fuck off um, and I had a few uh, options uh, as you know I am a huge fan of the song uh, Country Roads yeah. uh, however I felt this list already had uh, the theme for the film of How the West Was Won um, oh shit I don't think I gave you time. I was going to put in the Avengers song whatever sorry this is just a note for me for editing okay. might be a bit clumsy because we didn't leave oh, pause time for it I'm not going to do for every single sure. song I mentioned now. I'm just going to do it for the one. But yeah, I love uh, Country Roads. I think it takes you... It makes you feel nostalgic for a place you've never been yeah. to, which I really, really like. Uh, but I feel like How the West Was Won basically mm. covers the same sort of thing. Um, and, and I've got two options here, and I can't decide which one to go with. Flip a coin. Um, I'm thinking of a number between one and two. No, I, I, so... Uh, 
the one I'm not going to go with is Cairo by San Fermin. Uh, I really like that song. It's a song, uh, the reason I uh, really like it and the reason it's uh, important to me is I play it before I go on stage. Oh. Uh, it's, it's a song that I really like to play um, and just kind of gets me hyped before going on stage. Uh, the other song, uh, very similar uh, so the, uh, in meaning to me, uh, but the song is Sound and Color by the Alamo. Oh, Olympics. great song. So yeah, the reason uh, I particularly like that song uh, is it is the song that would play before my final grad show. Um, uh, not my final grad show, my, my um, showcase at, uh, at uh, drama school. Uh, and so it's the song, uh, and I was the first person out, I was the first scene. Um, so I was like literally ready, about to go on stage, and this song would play. So it's a huge, huge, huge thing. Oh wait, to was the song meant to be for us? I thought we were picking a song for Tom No, Hay. no. Like, oh man, fucking song. That's, That's why I, I cast him in the Avengers. Yeah, I know. Oh shit. Um, and uh, for a little bit of fun, I would like you to replace either his book or his luxury item with one of your own. I will replace his book with the script for the Avengers. He can get ready for the he can get ready for the remake uh, while on the island, and then once he's off and you know lost a bit of the weight, he can shoot uh, his roles as uh, Tony Stark. As we just like we artificially cut him back into the entire thing. I think he has a very Robert Downey Jr. or oh, Tony Stark esque charm to him because they both kind of play dicks. Well, um, so normally on this show, I'm the one that does the silly, silly giggle giggle, uh, and you do the sincere uh, thing. We're, we're flipping silly. that. You prepared, week. and I because uh, I prepared, so and you're not. Uh, well, mainly because I told you because I, I prepared this because yeah. I'm the person who thought of this, and then I told you just before we started yes. is what I was going to do. Um, now I have I have a dilemma here, Al. Yeah. Because the thing I would like to replace is probably the book mm-hmm. because I like I, I I quite like the idea of the typewriter. It's yeah. quite cool, um, but famously i can't read that's true um so i don't really have, i like i have a book in mind but it's gonna like my the thing i'm gonna replace it with will be worse than the thing i'd replace the luxury item with um so i really can't decide i it's okay to replace it with the hungry hungry caterpillar don't worry you know what because of that i'm choosing the book because it's not the hungry hungry <laughs> caterpillar it's hunger games yes um, uh because uh, it was the first book uh, that uh, i <laughs> not the first book I read but I was not a huge reader as a kid I'm not a huge reader now but it was the first book reading at like 15, 16 that I was like fully engrossed in I just loved it and I, I read it on holiday and yeah. couldn't put it down uh, so it's always held uh, quite a nice uh, place in my heart oh. for that oh. um, and you know what the thing I was going to replace Luxury was probably going to be my fucking Nintendo Switch or something <laughs> um, dude when he has the typewriter he can type out the uh, sequel to Avengers uh, <laughs> Avengers 2 Hank's Boogaloo um, nice so we've got to come up with three uh, <laughs> ranking categories. I think we're going to rate rate his songs. Sure, I um, guess. Uh, importantly, number two, uh, this is. Uh, well, uh, I think we can both agree on this. Uh, on a scale of one to five, how much of a misogynist is Tom Hanks? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, and then the last one. Um, Please make Tom Hanks never listen to the show. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I know the, the end goal for so this much. is to get him on. I love you so much, um, Tom But Hanks. we should get him on and not ask him, please don't listen to never any listen of the episodes the beforehand. Um, and then the third ranking, uh, I'd like it to be um, how many tears you shed listening oh, to it. Oh. Um, so, firstly, uh, rating his songs out of five. This is a tough one for me. Um, I hadn't heard of most of them. Mm. Well, that's incorrect. I hadn't heard of, like, four of them, so about half of them. Um, 
I really like the inclusion of 2001 and, and also I don't really like the songs that I don't like having listened to them I don't really like them uh, being like the Dean Martin one or the Springfield one um, but I really like the 2001 A Space Odyssey inclusion I really fucking like the LL Cool J inclusion that's just a fucking great inclusion and Layla is a great song um, so I'm probably going to give this a solid four um, give, it, give, his, give his songs a solid four. Having listened to quite a few uh, Desert Island discs, I think he's thought very hard about this. Yes. And I really appreciate that, and I think they all reflect back to him. So I give it a five if just because they do. Some people just like, ah, when I was 12, this song was on the radio. And he gives a very good interview, and he's a very gracious interview guest. Yes, he is, absolutely. Um, and I think because of that, you know, he, everything is like a good way for Kersey to open the conversation up to something. And I think that's great. So I give it a five. Great. Um, Tom Tom Hanks has a misogynist out of five. I mean, look, I'm going to give him... I, I know I brought this up, but again, Tom Hanks, listen to this. I love you. I'm going to give him... Ooh, let's just assume all men need to get better. So one, you know, like, base level. I don't, I don't think he's out there, you know, burning bras. I guess if a man burned a bra, it'd be a very different image. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> My wife shall not wear a bra. Um, I tried the Cockney's accent again, um, but yeah, you know, you know, I don't think he's a misogynist. One. I think he's a five. Jesus. You know why I think he's a five? He's never coming on the show. Why? He's never coming on the show. Um, I mean, that was that was always the case. Um, he's a five, not just because of what he said on this episode, but if you remember a little little film called That Thing You Do oh, right. where he took his wife yeah. he took his wife he's a pregnant wife he's pregnant his, wife his, a recently recently given birth wife yeah uh, so she wasn't pregnant at the time two weeks and after he cast her in a cameo as a sexy lady as a sexy lady I believe she's playing a stripper or a no she's like a cabaret singer cabaret singer uh, but very much she's in um, in like lingerie all he's doing is she's wearing a dress She's laundry. Laundry is the wrong word. I have used the wrong word. I will fully admit I've used the wrong word. Um, in a corset, that's the word I was looking for, not a uh, laundry. He is essentially just going, look how fucking hot my wife is. Yeah, that's fair. That, that's all he's in, and I've seen, therefore he's a fucking five. Um, um, also, the film where prostitutes have sex with a donkey. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, that other film, uh, The Bachelor Party. Um... And uh, finally, I've forgotten what it was. Uh, oh, how many tears. tears did you shed? Oh, one. One solid manly tear. Uh, zero. I'm an emotional husk of a human yeah, being. I believe that. Um, is this going in your Hanks bank? Uh, yeah. I think if you yeah, want, I think if you want to understand Tom Hanks, yeah. this really gives you a good understanding of Tom Hanks. Yeah, I think this is absolutely vital. What's interesting is... Um, uh, we're going to, um, I don't think it's going to be our next one, uh, but we, he's been on Inside the Actors Studio twice. Yes. Um, so it will be interesting to compare those interviews to this one. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think this is a very, very interesting look at Tom Hanks, the person, yeah. uh, whereas that will probably be an interesting look at Tom Hanks, the actor. Yeah. Um, so absolutely, this guy to my Hanks bank. I think I, I think any any Tom Hanks fan should uh, listen to this. Yeah, and it's free. It's on your podcast. Even yes, Americans yeah, yeah. can listen uh, to it. Um, so that's uh, us for this week. Of course, you can follow us at Hanks Bank Pod at Jamie P. Locks and Alan Scusi's underscore stuff. Uh, of course, 
Um, we do love our favourite uh, segment on this show, Friends Thoughts. If you want to get in touch and uh, and send in some sure. thoughts about the show, but however, well, completely understand that we won't be recording another episode until about March. Um, so, so um, if you want to send something in, we will obviously also engage with you on Twitter and and, yeah. and, and whatever. Uh, we what we always gonna... love people engaging with us. Yeah. Uh, do what you always say. All right, all right. Look, I haven't fled to Canada, being pursued by the law because I want you guys to stop taking people's phones, steal them. Okay, I'm using the quote. Quotation marks, don't steal them. All right, apparently that's a crime. Don't steal them. And downloading every episode of our phone, and on their phone, it's now your phone. And then you give it back, all right? Then it's not a crime. If you steal something but give it back, it's okay. No one cares. Don't do that. I'm not a criminal overlord. Am I a criminal overlord? Who knows? Cotton it. Yeah, I'm very bad. Uh, anyway, look. All right, I don't know who's running the country by this point, because, of course, we're now before the election. So either this accent will be relevant, or I need to learn to do a, uh, a, Jeremy, a Corbyn Jeremy Corbyn impression. impression. I, uh, I depressingly don't think you need to learn oh, to no, do a Jeremy no, Corbyn it, impression. It's, it's fine. Uh, uh, you never know who Joe Swinson can put through. Uh, this is just no... <laughs> So, uh, g- 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 keep calm, carry on. Uh, of course, if a note from our dear Nicola. Hello, I'm Nicola Sturgeon. This is a worse accent than you were doing earlier, and I'm from Scotland. Oh, God, no, we're okay. Hey, fuck off. Right. From me, Jamie, and my co-host, Al. Uh, that's one more ep in the bank. This is a solid one minute shorter than the actual podcast with <laughs> um, Desert Discs. Time! Hands back.